Hello, and welcome to the Agape House of Worship weekly podcast. Through this podcast, we hope and pray that you will be equipped and empowered to live the life that God has planned for you. If you are blessed by this message and would like more information, please visit our website at www.agapehousenj.org. Thank you, and God bless. Amen. Uh, We are going to do part 11 today. And today we're going to be talking about healing from hurt. Healing from hurt. We've been talking about this remarkable story uh, of Joseph that started with, uh, you know, Joseph's dream. Uh, It was was a plot. I mean, the plot to kill him by his own brothers, uh, marked by estrangement, hatred from his own brother, rather, and a plot to kill him that ended up in him being sent to, you know, sold to slaves. Uh, and we see his misery continued with, you know, all kinds of issues, uh, you know, at different points in his life. He was lied against, you know, false accusation led to a very, very harsh treatment, uh, false imprisonment. We also see, a, you know, a story of disappointment. You know, from uh, the king's butler, who really didn't do anything until the Lord really touched him. So that is the story of Joseph. But we see something here, that Joseph was a hurt man. He was a wounded person. And I believe that is sometimes the story of many dreamers. It's hard to see a dreamer who has not been wounded. Like Joseph, every dreamer will go through their fair share of pain. And I believe strongly it is how we deal with that pain and those pain that determine whether we ultimately fulfill God's will and purpose. And that's what we're going to learn today from the life of Joseph. The story today will take us to, uh, you know, a few, a few, I mean, a few chapters, I believe, starting from, I believe, 40, Chapter 42, we're going to go through maybe about chapter 45. We're going to read through and pick a few verses there that connect the story for us today. Now, we've gone through uh, 10 weeks to studying this uh, remarkable story. And we've seen how Joseph overcame his struggle, how he eventually fulfilled his dream. By the time you get to uh, uh, Genesis chapter 42, Joseph has achieved great success. He has overcome all the obstacles. While in prison, the Lord used him to be a blessing to a few people because of his faithfulness to his dream, to working on his dream, to growing his connection with God. Joseph was able to, the Lord brought him before Pharaoh, he interprets Pharaoh's dream. Uh, Joseph rises to power. Joseph becomes the governor. Joseph even now has his own family. I mean, his, things have turned around tremendously. The Joseph that started, you know, from being slow, sold to sold to slavery is now the Joseph that is the governor that is helping, that is helping a whole nation. What a, what a remarkable difference. What a remarkable turnaround. And... In Genesis chapter 41, we even see Joseph now have a family. He now has a wife. And in verse 51, Joseph even gave birth to his firstborn. And he named the firstborn Manasseh. 
And the meaning of that, he said, it is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. That's remarkable. Joseph sounds like uh, a Nigerian man, a Yoruba man, right? He named his son to just, you know, to just relieve. I have overcome all my trouble. If you meet someone from Nigeria, ask them what is the meaning of their name. It might mean more to the parent than to them. <laughs> so, so Manasseh is walking around because the father said, God made me forget. But if you really look at it, you know, it looked like Joseph has moved on here, but not so fast. Then a series of events began to happen in his life that shows us that he hasn't quite moved on. There's still a lot of bottle pain in the heart of Joseph. And sometimes that is our lives. Sometimes many of us, we've gone through a lot in life. It looks like we've overcome. It looks like we are doing well. It looks like they say you were never going to make it. You were never going to succeed. Somebody abused you. Somebody hurt you. Somebody mistreated you. Maybe over the course of your life. It looks like you are at a place when you're just moving on. I mean, you just want to forget you don't even want to remember that those period anymore. Maybe you've erased the memory of those people from your mind completely. Some of you, you've thrown away their pictures. You don't want to think about them anymore. You don't want to travel home anymore. You don't want to talk to that. But somehow God sets you up, you know, to confront that pain. Because sometimes it is a necessary part of the progress. This story will not be completed unless Joseph comes face to face with the same brothers, you know, that started this. With the same brothers that betrayed him. With the same brothers that sold him to prison. Joseph must come face to face with them so that the true intention of God can be fulfilled. Sometimes that is the story of life. And the more we run away from this to happen the more we are unable to complete the story and allow God to fulfill his dream. Don't forget, your dream is God's dream. Your dream is a subset of his dream. The more we are released to God, the more we are submitted to God, the more we are able to confront some of these issues, the more we allow God's ultimate plan and purpose to fulfill. I have a feeling there are a few people listening to me God has been bringing you to confront those issues in your life. God has been setting you up to confront. You've been avoiding. You've been running away. I believe God wants you to confront, dig out those issues. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult, as you are going to see in the life of Joseph. But ultimately, it's going to lead to a full realization of God's plan and purpose for your life. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's go into the scripture. Let's go to Genesis chapter 42. I have a few minutes, so we're going to go through the story quickly, and we're going to really uh, dig through. In chapter 42, now there is famine all over the world, not just in Egypt. Don't forget, Joseph interprets uh, kings, um, Pharaoh's dream that there was going to be seven years of famine, not just in Egypt, but in the whole world. So the famine reached, you know, everywhere, including where Jacob and his brothers lived. They couldn't find food. So the father in Genesis chapter 42, you know, asked Joseph's brother 
to go to Egypt and go and buy food. Because now, because of the wisdom of Joseph, Egypt asked food. Nobody has asked food. Egypt asked food. So, and they heard, story went around that you can actually buy food in Egypt. So, Jacob sent all his sons, you know, because it's a very long journey. They needed to buy a lot of food. Each one of them must have a donkey, a sack, you know, something to, to get the food. Or they all travel. Now, Joseph's mother has two children, all right, Reuben and Joseph. Uh, the, the stepmother has ten. So there are 12 all together. So the father said, you know, I don't want to lose Benjamin. And don't forget, Jacob loves Rachel more. You know, so he's lost Joseph. In his mind, Joseph is dead. He kept Benjamin and he sent the two brothers. He sent them to Egypt to go and buy food. And now Joseph is the governor. If somebody comes from outside of the country, somehow they must see Joseph and be approved before they get they buy food. And in verse 7, as soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them. And he pretended to be a stranger and he spoke harshly to them. So he tells me Joseph is still dealing with some of this. So see, this came back. How many of us have found ourselves in that situation? You thought you've moved on. You thought you've forgiven. You've even prayed a prayer of forgiveness a little bit. You thought you moved on. Now you are face to face and Joseph somehow was struggling. He began to deal very harshly to them. He was very mean. He wouldn't even approve their visa first. He kept them waiting and I'm sure he's pacing back and forth and it's like what do I do? How do I deal with these people? How do I show them? And something is telling him, don't do that, God. And he's struggling. And he was so harsh to them, they did not recognize that this is Joseph. And Joseph said, you are spies. You have come to see our land. So Joseph accused them of being spies. You know, that's how you get detained. You know, so they get detained and they started to, you know, they started to beg. They said, no, we've come to buy food. And he, you know, and he said, no, 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 you are spies. And they started to, you know, when you are under duress, you say things you're not supposed to say. In verse 13, they start saying, you know, we are 12 brothers. Well, you know, we've all lost one of our brothers. You know, so please have mercy on us. I mean, the, you know, the youngest is this. We are not spies. We are a real people. Our father lives here. This is our address. And Joseph said, no, 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 no. You are spies. And this continued. You know, so Joseph, they were held for like three days. <laughs> you know. And he said, you know, this is what I'm going to say. I'm going to keep somebody here, you know, so you go. That's how I'm going to test you. You go and bring your younger brother. You told me you have a younger brother. I need to be sure. You told me and bring your younger brother. They said, no, that's, I mean, that's not going to happen. We can't leave everybody. They begged. They did everything. So Joseph, I, I can sense here, you know, as forgiving, hasn't quite forgiven, has moved on, as you know, even though his name is son, God has made me forget. He hasn't really, really, really been so, but he must confront this. So that is what is going on here. And look at what is going on in verse 21. Verse 21 is very, very, very remarkable to me. They said to one another, Surely we are being punished because of our brother. You see, guilty conscience. You see, sometimes when there are a betrayer, when there is this, everybody loses. Even the people who perpetrate evil also suffer from it. Something tells them, you know, we have been punished because of our brother. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life. You know, now this, is, this happened, you know, this happened 
uh, almost 20 years ago. I mean, 15 years ago now. This is now 15 years. Joseph spent 13 years, you know, before, you know, before he became uh, the governor. This is now two years into that. 15 years ago that they remember. Wow. And he was begging us. We will not listen. That's why this distress has come upon us. He tells me for 15 years, they themselves have lived with this guilt in their heart. You know, and they, you know, and Reuben, who was the firstborn, who really pleaded with them not to harm Joseph. He told them, didn't I tell you not to sin? I'm reading verse 22. Against this boy, you didn't, you wouldn't listen. Now we must give an accounting of his blood. They did not realize that Joseph could understand them since he was using an interpreter. So Joseph pretends that he doesn't even understand their language because in their presence, they are looking at an Egyptian who was speaking with them with an interpreter. And in verse 24, he turned away from them and began to weep. You know, he, he was overcome by emotion. And, he, you, know, he, you know, he had to leave. He had to leave so they wouldn't know. You know, he came back. And, you know, here he just eventually let them go. You know, and, you know, but he put something. He put their money back in the sack. You know, he told the servant, put their money, let them go. On their way, they opened one of the sacks. And realize there's money in there. They are like, wow, I think we're in serious trouble. I mean, I think, I think the gods are angry. I think God is really angry at us. But he told them, I want you to come back with your, with your brother, which, who is uh, 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 Benjamin, sorry. I think I called Benjamin, come back, which is Joseph's full brother. They're all half-brother to Joseph, uh, the rest of them. So he said, you should come back. So they go home and they just told, uh, they told their father what has happened. They said, look... Things didn't go well. The man was very mean. We suffered. We were in prison for like three days. They accused us of being spies. We had to tell them our life stories. And the man said, we must return and come back with Benjamin. The man said, that is never going to happen. I have lost Joseph. I am not going to lose Benjamin. And, you know, and that's the story. Then time passed. All right. They finished the food that they got. <laughs> the food is finished. They must now come back and get more food. And Judah said, look, we are not going unless we go with Benjamin. That's, that's not going to happen because the man says we must not come back without him. And the father said that is not going to happen. Now they are hungry. There's no food. And they say, you know what? Either way, we're going to die. All right. We're going to die of hunger. Or we take a risk and go. Judah promised the father and he said, you know what? I am going to make sure I take care of, uh, of, your, of your son. All right? I'm going to take care of Benjamin. I'm going to make sure nothing happens to him. And they, finally, the father said, you can go. So they made a second journey now to Egypt after several months. So now they are in Egypt. Uh, they got there. Uh, if you, this is now in chapter 3. I mean, chapter 43. Uh, they are now back in Egypt. So they got to Egypt, and they, they, everybody now, it's now 11 of them, uh, you know, Joseph, they, they got to Egypt, and Joseph told his servant, take them to my house. So they, they are in the house, and they were like wondering what is going on. I think we're, I mean, this is, this is really getting scarier and scarier. You know, so they were in the house after Joseph finished from the office, he went back and saw them, 
and he saw his brother. I mean, Joseph wanted to see his own, you know, brother, who is Benjamin. In verse 29, as he looked about and saw his brother, Benjamin, his own mother's son, he asked. They were sitting now in his house in the living room. And he said, is this your younger brother, the one you told me about? And he said, God be gracious to you, my son. No, they think he's an old man. So he's pretending now. And in verse 30, deeply moved at the sight of his brother, Joseph hurried out and looked for a place to weep. He's still dealing with it. Sometimes the road to recovery is filled with a lot of weeping, a lot of tears. You know, Joseph hurried out and looked at to a place to weep. He went into a private room and wept there. After he has washed his face, he came out and controlling himself, and he said, let's eat. They ate, everything continued, and, you know, they, you know, had a nice time, and Joseph said they can leave. Now, Joseph is still saying, I need to really deal with this. I think Joseph is, is in between, let me move on, <laughs> let me really make them suffer a little bit, what they made me go through. You know, he's facing this battle sometimes. Healing involves a lot of battle. It's an internal battle. He's dealing with this, so he decides to set them up again. He put his cup, his silver cup, in the sack of the food packed for his brother, <laughs> Benjamin. You know, and, you know, he asked them to go. As they were going, he asked the servant, go look for them. So they went for them. They said, somebody stole our master's cup. They said, no, this is never, never, never. Whoever stole the master's cup, I mean, they swore, they did everything. They said, no. They said, look, let's look at the sack. They opened all the sack. Boom. They found the, the cup. <laughs> they found the cup in, in Benjamin's sack. Oh, my God. And Judah said, I am done. I mean, this is, this is deja vu. This is what was not supposed to happen. I promise my father is going to be my life for his own life. And he said, you are go- we're going back to Egypt. So they went back to Egypt. Now they are face to face with J- uh, Joseph. All this while they were bowing down. You see? I mean, that is, that is just unbelievable. Each time they bow down. As they bow down, Joseph remembers his dream. And as he remembers his dream, he cried, I'm sure. So he somehow he cried of anger. He cried of, how can you do this to me? A cry of joy. And, you know, it's a lot of mixed emotion over all these things as they go, as they go on. You know? And he began to talk to them. What is going on? You know, why did you do this to me? You stole my cup. They said, no, we didn't. You know, don't forget, we even came back with the money that, that was put in our sack the first time. Not only did we, we brought extra money. We brought gift from our father. We are not the people to steal. Our father is a very rich person. That's not who we are. And he said, you know, no, I don't know, but somebody steals. And the person that steals, I'm going to hold him back. They said, no, you're not going to hold him. Judah is like, no, that is not going to happen. I mean, that's, it's, it's just not possible. I can't go back to my father and not come back with Reuben. I mean, with Benjamin. And they went all this. As this was going on, I think, you know, Joseph became completely overwhelmed. If you go to Genesis verse 45, uh, uh, chapter 1, Genesis 45, chapter 1, then Joseph could no longer control himself. 
before all his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him. People were hearing from the other. And Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brother, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brother were not able to answer him. Because they were terrified. Of course, they should be terrified. They were completely terrified, mesmerized. They, they, are no, they could not even speak. And I think at this point is becoming, Joseph must come face to face. Must deal with all this thing, anger. You know, whatever he has bought to him. He thought he has forgotten. He thought he has moved on. And I think there are a few people here, you thought you've moved on. I mean, but you moved on by blocking those things. You moved on by just not thinking about it. Because it, life has moved on. You're fine now. Even though you are mistreated, you are raped, you are dealt with. You know, somebody has betrayed you. You've been hurt. You've been, things have happened to you. You know, but somehow God is setting you up to finally deal with this. And let's read something that is very, very important here. In verse 4. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. Because they couldn't come close. This guy is going to shoot us. (laughs) He said, come close. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph. The one you sold into Egypt. First of all, I think there's something here that Joseph needs to prove to them. I'm still standing. God has vindicated me. And I have a feeling there are a lot of people, there are a number of people here, that's your story. God has vindicated you. Yeah, there's still a lot of pain buried in there. Yeah, there's still a lot of hurt, you know, that you buried in, how you were treated, how you were betrayed. But you can fully say, like Joseph, God has vindicated me. And that's a powerful story, that God is God that vindicates God is the God that fights our battle. And in verse 5, I think it's remarkable. It said, now, do not be distressed. Do not be angry with yourself for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there have been famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God has sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Hallelujah. You see, I believe that this is a a two-year journey for David, I mean for Joseph. I mean, he couldn't do this the first time he met the brother. I mean, he was so angry he didn't reveal himself. I mean, you know, I think he spent time struggling, going before God, what do I need to do? I'm I'm sure the Lord somehow gave him this perspective. You see, sometimes we're not able to completely overcome our hurt until the Lord gives gives us a 
personal perspective to what we've been through in life. So Joseph concluded, yes, they did it. (laughs) But ultimately, there is a higher purpose. There is a higher purpose to your life. There's a higher purpose to your suffering. There's a higher purpose to what you've gone through. I mean, now it doesn't take someone, someone telling you it's not going to make any difference. I mean, God must convince you himself. I believe this is Joseph. This is not because somebody preached to Joseph. No, Joseph came to a conclusion. He's, he's been fighting in his mind how to deal with this. But he said, you know what? I think I'm done. I've cried. I've cried it out. Yes, you can cry it out. And I've come to a conclusion that God actually sent me here as a deliverer. God sent me here so that my family will not be perished. Will not perish, rather. God sent me here to preserve. And without that, do you know what will have happened? God's plan for all of us will have been thwarted. Jacob, his family will have died of hunger. And there will be no continuity to God's plan and purpose. And that's what happened. And it's very, very remarkable. And that's what happened eventually. They reconciled. There was healing. They went back and brought the father, Jacob. They brought the rest of this family, about 70 of them all together. Joseph, by virtue of his, uh, of his position, was able to find them a place called Goshen to live in Egypt. They brought all them and they were able to live there for the, you know, you know, for the rest of their lives. And found food and lived a productive life. His father got to see a son again. Hallelujah. Woo! I think I, I just... So Jacob eventually, uh, obviously, I mean, saw, uh, met Joseph. And I'm going to try and read that. Uh, Genesis 46, we are now. Let's read uh, verse, uh, verse 28. Uh, verse 29, Joseph had his chariot made ready and went to Goshen to meet his father, Israel. As soon as Joseph appeared before him, he threw his arms around his father and wept for a long time. Israel said to Joseph, now I am ready to die since I have seen for myself that you are still a life. What a remarkable story. Joseph grew old, died, you know, and God promised him, your children are going to be here, your descendants are going to be here. Eventually, the promise I made to your grandfather is going to be fulfilled. I'm going to take you back. He was even buried in Canaan. He told them, don't bury me in Egypt when he died. They took him back. These are remarkable stories of God's sovereignty. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Let's learn a few lessons here that we can apply to our life. Lessons about healing. Number one, life will leave every dreamer wounded and broken. That's one thing you must know. In fact, I have a feeling the reason many of us don't pursue their dream is we're trying to fight desperately not to be wounded. You know, sometimes people don't pursue their dream. People don't step out. 
people don't embrace God's calling for their lives. You see, embracing God's calling obviously opens you up to a lot of wounds, to a lot of people hurting you, to a lot of people. You know, years ago, I was just becoming a pastor, and I read a book. Uh, I, the, the title of the book is Pastoring Without Tears by, you know, Sunday Adelaide. And I don't know, randomly I came across that book and I, you know, I mean, obviously it, it was, it was the, the title was fascinating. And I read that book. It changed my life completely. I did not read that book. I think my pastoring will have been different in a negative way. Because something he said in that book about his experience about traveling and meeting a lot of pastors who are completely broken, angry, and a lot of the actions is based on betrayal they have experienced, right? Talk to any pastor. Talk to anyone who is at any leadership position. They have stories of being, you know, being betrayed. They have stories of people saying things, being criticized unfairly. And many people just internalize this. And you know what happened? They end up taking it out on other people. And that's what he captured in that book that, you know, how to prevent yourself from just, you know, you know, internalizing all these things so you can be, you can still be an old person. A lot of people that you see, a lot of people you see are completely, even people that we run around that really, that are a pain in, our, in people's behind, everywhere. It is simply because you know, life has dealt with them mercilessly. They've gone through a lot of pain. They've been hurt by others. And now they're taking it out on every other person. Life will leave every dreamer broken. You see, and memories of hurt, another thing we learn here, can last for a very long time. Even when people have been vindicated, right? Look at Joseph. Even when things have turned around, he's now a governor. He now has a, his family. Life is treating him good. But you see, memories of hurt, especially that happened when we were younger or when we were weak, you know, can last for a very, very, very long time. It is important to deal with them completely because it is in dealing with them and confronting them that God's full purpose is revealed in our lives. Praise the mighty name of Jesus. Joseph, though he was moved out, he's moved on rather, eventually had to confront, right? Even though he appeared that he's moved on, he eventually had to confront. Now, but there's one thing about Joseph, which is my second lesson for us here. There's one thing I learned about Joseph reading through this story. He kept a soft heart despite going through a difficult situation. And that's really, really important. You know, we must find a way to keep the soft heart. You know, even when we go through difficult situations in life, we must learn to keep a soft heart. Psalm 51 verse 17 says, My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, right? A broken and a contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. You see, you don't have to be hardened by life circumstances. I mean, so many people are hardened by life circumstances. You know, life has been so cruel. 
Now you are cruel to others. Now you've closed your heart. You've made up your mind you're never going to help anybody. You've made up your mind you're not going to be nice to anybody again. You've made up your mind, I am going to keep my space. You know, we find words, we find nice words. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to keep my space. I'm going to maintain my distance to everybody that I meet. You see? No, 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 no. Thank God Joseph didn't do that. Because in the process of maintaining his soft heart, everywhere Joseph went, he gave everybody he met the benefit of the doubt. You see, he did not treat them badly. You know, people he met along the way simply because of his experience. He did not punish, you know, other people. I want to ask you a question. Are you punishing people in your life now with the effect or based on your experience from people in your past? Many of us were doing that. We're punishing our husband. We're punishing our wives. You're punishing your children, your friends. Your ministry member, people in your life, you're punishing them for the crime that people committed that were not in your life. And that's how you know that you have been hardened, hardened by life's difficult situation. Life is difficult. Life can be difficult. It can be especially difficult for some people. I don't know why. Some of you are saying, wow, why me? Mine has been so difficult especially. It looks like I'm going from one challenge, one trouble to another. Sometimes some of us, that is our story. But I want you to learn something from Joseph. You don't have to be hardened by your circumstances. Some of the meanest people you know (laughs) are people who have been hardened because of their own hurts. Number three, forgiveness is a decision. Healing is a process. Forgiveness is a decision. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a decision. It's a decision you, might, you must make to really completely forgive. Yeah, some, but sometimes, even when we are forgiven, healing process can be difficult. For Joseph, it was tough. It was rough. I mean, he was successful he was a prime minister. He was directing the economy, but he had, nobody knew he had this baggage of hurt internally until God brought him face to face with it. God wanted him to confront it. Healing process can be a pain, painful process. About four times we read here that Joseph cried. Four times. Genesis chapter 42, verse 24. He turned away from them and began to weep. <laughs> you know, that's when, when he first met his brother. In chapter 43, he was moved when he saw his brother. And he wept. In fact, he had to leave the place and wept. Genesis 45. When he could no longer control himself, he cried out. This time he poured everything out. He just released it. And Genesis 46, when he met his brother, I mean his father, finally, he wept for a very, very, very long time. Forgiveness, healing process can be a weeping process where we fully let it go and let it out. 
And I have a feeling a number of people must do that. God is confronting you with this because that must happen in your life. Number four, God's plan is often cut short due to lack of forgiveness and healing. I mean, this must happen for Joseph's story to be complete. I mean, it would have been, Joseph would have preferred not to ever see his brother again. No, do not go through this crying, weeping. After all, I'm fine. After all, I'm doing well. I just want to pretend I never have a family. I will just pretend this never happened in my life. I will pretend this was never part of my life. Many of us, we have things in our life, we have portions of our life we would rather delete and just pretend it never happened. But sometimes God wants you to deal with it. And it will come around and bring it to your face. Because without that happening, there is not going to be a full release of God's own plan. Because it's not about just you just moving on. It's about God's ultimate purpose being fulfilled. See, God's ultimate plan was to save his own dream to save the world, right? This is about God's plan and promise to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and from generation to generation so that they will not be destroyed by famine, so that they can continue to go on. Eventually, through that, we have Jesus Christ. Hallelujah! But Joseph must confront this. Joseph must reconcile. Joseph must forgive. Joseph must now eventually help those same brothers that were cruel to him. Can you do that? And that's the proof that there is full reconciliation. Can you bless those who have hurt you? Can you be a blessing to them? That's a fool. Because without being able to do that, the ultimate purpose of God will not be completed. My last lesson is, if you have been hurt, first you have a friend in Joseph, but you have a bigger friend in Jesus. Hallelujah. Isaiah 53 verse 3 says, He was despised and rejected by mankind. He was a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised. And we held him in low esteem. You see, Jesus was a man of suffering. But he was also a man of forgiveness. And part of his job is to heal the broken hearted. Part of his promise is everybody that comes to him, we experience healing. I want us to bow down our heads and pray. I'm going to spend a few minutes to pray. I'm going to pray. I want you to go before God and just maybe as I'm preaching, God, the Holy Spirit is bringing those back to you. Things you must confront. Areas of your life that you would rather forget. You would rather never even, you would never want to remember. But God is saying, my son, my daughter, no, 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 you have to deal with it. You have to confront it. You have to speak to them. You have to call them. You have to bless them. Uh, God is calling you to do something. Uh, it's not going to be what I'm saying. It's going to be what the Spirit wants you to do. The Holy Spirit will teach you. And I want you like Joseph to say, God, how do I make sense of this? I believe that was Joseph. The first time Joseph couldn't do it. 
He couldn't make himself to even reveal himself to his brother. He sent them away. You see, there was a possibility that those brothers would not have come back. Joseph could not get himself to get to a point of confronting it. He rather avoided it. He was harsh to them and sent them away. You know, maybe that has been your approach. But God is calling you and saying, my daughter, let's deal with this. Let's deal with it. And I want you to say, God, if you give me a second chance, I will deal with it. I will confront. I will, I will, there will be reconciliation. Not for me, but for you, Lord. Not for me, because for me, I'm fine. I already moved on. I don't need to talk to that person. I don't need to deal with it. I don't need to open up those things again. I will just pretend it never happened. But God is saying, no, there's a bigger purpose why I'm doing this. I think that some of you, God has been confronting you with this. And I want you to just go before God and say, God, I am going to deal with it. I'm going to settle it. You're going to give me the grace. You're going to give me the wisdom. Yes, it's going to involve a lot of crying, a lot of weeping. But I'm ready to do whatever you need me to do in the mighty name of Jesus. So, Father, I'm just praying for your grace. I release your grace. I release your grace to everyone under the sound of my voice. I pray, Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, you will bring, you will release the spirit of reconciliation. The power to heal the brokenhearted. You will release the courage, the conviction to deal with those issues in our life that we must deal with for you to have the glory. Not just for us, but for your glory. In the mighty name of Jesus. I'm praying, Holy Spirit, you will lead, you will guide your people, you will speak expressly, and you will provide opportunities for us to deal with this so that you, Lord, can be glorified. So that true healing and reconciliation can take place. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. I want to pray for people who want to surrender their life. You're watching me or you're in the congregation and you want to say, Pastor, I think I need to fully give my life to Jesus. I'd like you to raise up your right hand if you're here. You want to say, Pastor, please pray with me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. You can raise your hand if you're here. If you're watching me on the screen, just stretch your hands to me as I pray, as I lead you into prayer. I want you to say, Jesus, thank you that you died for me. Thank you that you paid the price for my sin. Today I welcome you. And I confess that you are my Lord and Savior. I confess you died for me. You were buried and you rose the third day. And I invite you into my life. Make me a child of God. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you pray that prayer, I want you to please. There's a link that will be. It's Agape House nj.org slash connect I want you to fill that form uh, if you're worshiping with us for the first time we also want you to fill the same form that you can fill so that we can have your information and we can you know we can get in touch with you may the Lord bless you may the Lord keep you may the Lord cause his face to shine upon you may the Lord watch over you Father I pray that these words spoken will not come back to you void but Lord you will release your power and your grace to accomplish the purpose for which it was sent thank you Father in Jesus name 
we have prayed. Amen.